Hello. How are you? Hello. Good. Good. How are you? Great. We had the gutter people here at like 8 a.m. Redoing our gutter, so that was super fun. Bright and early. Yeah. What are you drinking? I'm drinking another mimosa again because... Classic. That was like my go-to drink for like two years of college. I actually, fun fact, do not like orange juice. What? It's not like I hate it. Like, obviously, I'll drink it, mm-hmm. but it's, like, I don't know. This is not my favorite. Um, but I bought that. I have it here, actually. I bought this huge container mm-hmm. of it, and I need to get through it because I leave to go back home for a week for Easter, and I do not want to leave this here because yeah. it'll be gross, disgusting. Yeah. Right. Fair. Fair enough. What are you drinking? I'm drinking the same thing I was drinking last week, too. Oh, look at us go. My grapefruit beer. <laughs> this episode is dedicated to the queen, Beverly, Beverly Cleary. Beverly Cleary? Yeah. Love that. Rip. Rip. She was 104. That's insane. I would never I... want to live that long, to be honest. I was just about to say that. <laughs> like. Your text last a... night killed me. I was peeled <laughs> over cracking up alicia texted me about it and she goes i thought prince philip was supposed to be next (laughs) i could not stop laughing my mom goes yeah i thought so too because he was rip whoever's in charge up there you're fucking it up yeah but uh anyways uh this is bookaholics anonymous i'm francesca i'm alicia and every week we forget to do an intro yes we do but not this week. No, baby. baby. We got it. I have something else. It just re- Ooh, yeah. recently happened, like yesterday. Sarah J. Mass announced that there's going to be an Agatar TV adaption. Oh, I heard about that. Yeah. How do we feel? I, I don't know how I'm feeling about this. It could go very badly. Ve- very badly. <laughs> yeah, I saw on I... book Twitter, people weren't thrilled with the idea. Yeah. Well, first of all... um. I hate book t- Twitter, so jot that down. Um, they're just a little much for me. Huh. I just want to like read my books and enjoy them, and then not hear any opinions on them. <laughs> <laughs> Even though, that, though that's literally all our podcast is. I well, no, because I feel like we don't really give much opinion. We kind of just like recap the book, yeah, and then give like snarky like remarks, but not like towards well, like yeah, towards like the content, but not about like the writing or the author. Usually, it's just like yeah, sarcastic remarks that really don't have any sort of like bearing on the actual novel. Um, I just find sometimes book Twitter can be a little a little much, a little harsh for my liking. Um, book talk is okay; they're on thin ice sometimes. But, um, <laughs> yeah. It's the the adaption I don't have high hopes for. I just feel like it could be it could go very wrong, very very bad, especially because they have to wear masks like the whole first book. So um, I'm just picturing that mentally mm. in my head, the CGI that's going to be involved because of the wings and and whatnot. So mm. <sighs> I'm scared. I'm very scared. We'll be watching it though. We will get your two cents. Don't worry. But yeah, anyways, we can just jump right into it. So this week, I know I said back in October that I would be doing The Exorcist in March. We remembered, I remembered, and I tried, people. I tried. 
I just couldn't do it. It was, for one thing, I've seen the movie, like, a million times. Right. And I was listening to it um, on audio, and it was read by the author, who has a really haunting voice. A phenomenal job. I just could not, for the life of me, get into it. It was very description-heavy and very much uh-huh. like the book. Or, not like the book, but like the movie. Which, great. Love when they do that in the movie. They stick to the book. But it's kind of just, alright, let's get to the next step. So, I, being the ADHD queen that I am, <laughs> toss that shit right to the side. Maybe I'll try again in June. We'll see how that goes. Don't quote us on that. Uh, yeah, don't. Don't hold me to anything that I say on here. But, so instead... <laughs> I read A Children's Bible by Lydia Millet. I don't know if you've heard of it. Do you have the cover? I can pull up the cover. No, I don't think I've ever even heard of this book. It looks scary, like the eyes on the animals. <laughs> so it's actually, it was phenomenal. I thought it was a fantastic book. It's a very short read. Love that. It was, the audiobook was, now granted most audiobooks are between like, I'd say eight to ten hours. That's like the average for an audiobook, right? It's probably the average, yeah. yeah. Whereas, like, The Exorcist was leaning towards, like, the 12-hour side. Yeah. I didn't know it was that long of a book. Yeah. I thought it would be... Yeah. No. This book was only around four and a half to five hours. Ayo. And I give so much credit to the author for packing in so much in 150-ish pages. So much happened in this book. It was mind-boggling when I got to the end and was like thinking about where it started. So for record, this book has absolutely nothing to do with the actual children's <laughs> bi- Well, I shouldn't say that. It is an- I did not read an actual Bible, to be clear. I'd hope not. So there are a lot of names in this book. I tried to chop down. Of course. It's how it goes. Always is. So I tried to remove the people that like didn't need names necessarily to me. Right. To make this easier to retell. Basically, we start off with a group of children. They're around... They're, like, actual children to, like, teenagers. And their parents, they all gather together in this big summer mansion for, like, two months. Wish that were me. Right? So, it's obvious that the parents are, like, a bit neglectful in the way that they handle their children. Like, all the kids wow. sleep up in the attic of the mansion, and all of the parents get the bedrooms. Got it. Yeah. So, <laughs> they'd rather drink and, like, ignore their kids and actually be present. I suspect that money is a factor in this, <laughs> that they're all a bit <laughs> wealthy. So, like I said, the ages amongst the children vary. Some were, like, juniors and seniors in high school, and some were much younger. So, right now, I'm just going to run down the list of kids that are present throughout the book. So we start with our narrator, Eve. Uh, Her parents, her mom is a scholar and her dad is an artist. Uh, I'm not sure how old some of these kids are, but I'm going to guess she's maybe either the youngest 14 or oldest 16. Like, she's somewhere in there. Right. Okay. And then she has her younger brother, Jack, who she describes as princes amongst boys like a prince amongst boys like he's such a sweetheart jack is my favorite character in the book he's nine years old and 
He's just age. like a sweet little, he loves animals. He cares about animals so much. Then we have Terry, who is described as short, little pudgy and pretentious. Love that. And then we have Lorenzo, who goes by Lo for the whole book. So I'm just going to call him Lo. He's very tall. He's got a baby face. He can't dress himself for shit. Like, he sucks at dressing himself. <laughs> Typical man. Uh, he's of Mongolian descent and was adopted from Kazakhstan. Kazakhstan? Yeah. <gasps> Love that. <laughs> uh, then we have Suki, who she makes clear her mother does not have a clubbed foot, which I will get into that reason later like I was taking these notes as I was listening so like my descriptions are a little weird but it will make sense so she's very upfront and no nonsense and she like has like an attitude Suki she's also one of my other favorites then we have Justin or Juicy as he's referred to throughout the book for his saliva which he has a lot of And he's Mm, 14 years old. Yeah. Oh, yikes. So then Jen, I'm going to say she's around Eve's age, so anywhere between 14 and 16. And she is, like, quietly hooking up with Terry, like, occasionally. And he's more into it than she is kind of thing. Ooh, girlfriend. That is a dangerous game to be playing. Yeah. So then she has a little brother named Shell. He's 11 years old. He's deaf. And... He is, like, best friends with Jack. Like, the two of them just run off and do everything together. Um, then we have David, who's, like, a tech wizard. Like, he knows everything techie. Then we have Kay and Amy. They're twins, and they're David's little sisters. And they're, like, big-time brats. I'm not going to say mm. they're toddlers, but they're not teenagers. Like, they're they're right in the middle. I'd say they're around Jack's age. Right. They're kids. Yes. So, then we have Rafe, who I only, and I'm so sorry for this, I only wrote down his description as either gay or bisexual. (laughs) I can't remember which he is. He comes down hard on Juicy for making, like, homophobic comments throughout the book. But he's also a good one. Like, I loved Rafe, too. Then we have Alicia, who's 17. She's a freshman in college. But I just recently found out that Jodie Foster's actual name is Alicia. What? I did not know that. Yeah. Me either. I just, I just, yeah, fun fact, recently found out, texted my mom. She was very excited. (laughs) She was like, oh, I I wonder why she changed it. Uh, I would have kept Alicia. I'm like, yeah, I'd hope so, since that's what you (laughs) named me. (laughs) So Alicia, she dipped in like the first two days to go see her much older boyfriend in town. um, And the rest of the kids like cover for her. Love that. Then we have Val. I want to say she's around maybe 12, 13. She's a tomboy who's very shy. She doesn't talk too much. She loves to climb literally anything. Like, she's a climber. (laughs) I was like that as a child. Yeah, I I can imagine that. And then we have Dee, who's shy, uh, passive-aggressive, super germaphobe, and a little neurotic. So there are people at this, like, vacation stay who are there without kids. They don't have kids. All the parents were friends in college, and that's why, like, they're getting together is because they haven't seen each other since college, so they're not like, why not? What's it like to have college friends? You're my only college uh-huh. friend, honestly. Thanks. And I don't consider, like, graduate. Like, that's really not, like, college. college. Yeah. 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 
And then, so the kids got, the parents, like, took all of their tech. Like, they took their cell phones, their tablets. It's a no for me. Yeah. So the kids decided they wanted to play a game, and they're not telling each other who their parents are, like, of the group of adults. Okay. And they have to try and figure out whose parents are whose. Weird game. Wow. This is what it comes to when you have no cell phones. Yeah. So that's <laughs> why I was saying, like, Suki's mom does not have the club foot, because she's, like, adamant that's not my mom. Um, and, like, the kids get really into it. Even Jack, when he gets poison ivy, he refused to go to his parents because he didn't want to ruin the game. So, like, Eve was the one that nursed him back to health. Was so, like, the kids didn't find out who their parents were. Oh, got you. Um. Wow. I mean, I played Manhunt as a, you know, teenager (laughs) at camp, but teach their own. (laughs) Um, David is kind of thrown out to the wolves the first day because by day two, his sisters are, like, cuddled up in their mom's lap. Like, they don't Aww. care. That's why they're super bratty and annoying. <clears throat> right. This game would be annoying with, like, younger siblings. Yeah. Because, rip. Rip to all the people with younger siblings. I was the younger out. sibling. Um. So the parents know the kids are playing the game, but they spun it. The kids have, like, spun it. Like, it's, like, just something they need to do. But really, they cannot stand their parents and how, like, neglectful and awful they are. And how just, like, how absent they've been. Right. Um, So it's just, it's not a fun time. So they like to, like, give each other merits and demerits. So a merit is committing something outrageous without, like, getting caught. So, for example, Juicy spitting into the parents' cocktails undetected. Oh. A demerit is considered... Like, committing a heinous act. So, like, Lo kissing up to one of the dads. That's a no-no. Right. Stitches get stitches. So, they punish their parents by putting stuff in their food, giving them the silent treatment, but also, like, property damage. Like, they'll, like, smash some of the statues and shit. They'll never directly smash, and, like, they won't disrespect (laughs) the house, but they'll fuck up some gnomes occasionally. Solid, solid. And they said they respect the house, the river, the ocean, the lake, and the tree houses in the forest. I'm glad they have boundaries. (laughs) So, (laughs) the kids decide they want to camp out on the beach the next night. While some of the parents are hesitant, they ultimately decide to let them go. Uh, That night, Jen and Terry make out in the greenhouse to one-up them. Quote-unquote, Suki, Eve, David, and Lo play spin the bottle. And Eve has to French kiss Lo. Which, like, she doesn't want to do because, like, he has bad breath and he can't dress himself for shit. Yikes. I don't blame her. So, now they've set off for their camping trip. They have to go in, like, rowboats down the river to get to the ocean and the beach. Uh-huh. And the parents are literally just standing by the house. They have alcohol in their hands. And they want to make sure they have life vests on, but they don't actually... Like, it comes off as, like, insincere where they're like, oh, make sure you put a life vest on. Anyway, like, <laughs> where are the drugs? Kind of thing. So, and all the kids are like, go away, like, we can't, we don't want to know whose parents are whose, and, like, if they show interest in a specific child, they're gonna know it's, it's their kid. Right. Right. So, they get to the beach, and they see this giant dock has, uh, this giant dock, this giant yacht has docked on the shore, but they kind of just ignore it, and they're like, okay, you know what, uh, we'll just wait them out, and then we'll just... You know, ignore them. But the rich right. people end up camping out on the beach, too. 
They bring out these super giant tents and set up on the shore and start roasting marshmallows and whatnot. The group of, our group of kids just end up burning shit, <laughs> uh, like to start a bonfire. Um, of course. And as they start, uh, the yacht kids come over and that's what I'm going to refer to the rich kids for the rest of this is the, the yacht, yacht kids. kids. Little yachty. <laughs> oh my God. I haven't heard that name in years. <laughs> so we basically find out that the world is like at its end. Like, climate change has really, like, fucked up everything. Sick. Um, some of them were sent to, like, survival camps to learn how to, like, tie knots and sterilize water. And, like, the it's just, like, climate change is, like, really... Like, it's where Greta Thunberg has predicted we're gonna go. <laughs> and it's there, present in this novel. So the parents kind of, like, brush it off. Like, they... Not that they didn't believe, but it was more, like, out of sight, out of mind, like, kind of thing. So, the Yaw kids ask, ask if they had survival compounds yet. Which, oh. like, okay, so our kids have money, but they're, like, upper middle class money. These Yaw kids right. are, like, Elon Musk kids. You know what I mean? Got it. So, they're, like, they don't really know what to say. Because, like, they have all these different types of survival compounds all over the world. So she also notes how, like, during the day, the Yaw kids will, like, lay out and sunbathe. And she says the pra- she's surprised because the practice was banished back in the 20th. I'm not sure if she means century or, like, 2020. Like, I'm not... That's not clear. Yeah. Wait, yeah, that's because the 20th century would be the 1900s. Yeah, so I'm not sure what she means by that, but I know, like, this is going to be distant future. Right. Where yeah. it's, like, the same... It's, like, the technology of now, right. but it's, like, in the future. Right. So tanning was, like... like ba- oh. Yeah, like, it was, like, a thing people don't do anymore, I guess, because climate change got so bad that the sun was, like, super strong. I don't know. It didn't elaborate. Yeah, I don't know how you can ban people from laying or n- out not- in the sun. I wouldn't say not ban them, but like they just stopped doing it. Oh, like it was oh, a banished so like practice. A kind of yeah. Thing now, so interesting. As someone who can't tan, <laughs> it really does not affect me that much. <laughs> so our kids are talking about how they need. Oh, so excuse me. The yacht kids talk about how they need to be worthy of their parents' saving. It's about the personal capital and not whether their parents love them or not. Yikes! Some people should not have kids. Yeah. So they've been camping out on the beach, and it's about day three. They're low on food, so Terry and Rafe draw the short sticks and went back to get more food. The Yacht kids decide to stay an extra day, much to Jen and Suki's excitement, because they have a crush on one of them. Don't blame them. Upon their return, Jen and Rafe also have Alicia with them. She arrives and immediately drops trow and is in, like, this floss thong bikini... Love that for her. Yes. It's so revealing. Jack literally says, I can see your vagina. Uncomfortably. You can't see her vagina because the vagina is an internal organ, actually. Yeah, but he's nine years old. How the fuck is he going to know that? How does he even know what a vagina is? (laughs) (laughs) So the reason for her return was because her dad had seen her giving a lap dance to a man in a bar while his dad was, her dad was there for a Tinder date. Yikes. Yeah. Oh, so Tinder exists still yeah. in this future? Damn it. <laughs> so, essentially, she's like, I won't tell mom if you don't tell her I was here, and then I'll come back with you. Like, 
It's like a right. don't ask, don't tell kind of thing. So the young, uh, the yacht kids invite the other kids to a party on the yacht. And because, like, there's obviously they have younger kids, Shell and Jack, Eve doesn't get to go. So she ends up having to stay back and watch them, which she's, like, disappointed about. So she stayed, right. her and Lo stay back, and they're just, like, talking about, telling them, like, ghost stories and, like, roasting marshmallows. And this is when Eve decides it's time to tell Jack about, like, what's happening in the world with climate change and, like, where their future is going to be. Sick. So the next morning, she finds him reading a children's Bible given to him by one of the moms. They are not a particularly religious family, Jack having previously referred to the cross as the long plus sign. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, so, like, she's, like, surprised that he's interested in it. Um, and then we find out Alicia sailed off with the yacht kids to Rhode Island, and her parents are going to be pissed uh, that she left. she's trying to find Taylor Swift in Rhode Island. I don't blame her. <laughs> I would also do that. But they've also ID'd her parents because Rafe and Terry saw her coming home with her dad when she was being driven back by the pop. Ooh, from the bar. Good luck, sis. So she's out of the game. Uh, Suki says she hooked up with James, the leader of the Yacht Kids. And apparently, nice. so did Rafe. Hey! Love that for him. Um, Jen is kind of, like, disappointed because she wanted to. But she says she also identified three sets of parents. Juicy's, D, and Terry. While they were all on the yacht because they were talking up their, like, how great their parents are. And so, like, all the kids knew what, like, the adults did for, like, a living. Right. But they just didn't know whose parent was whose. So, when she overheard Juicy talking about his dad being a movie director, boom, knocked him out. She overheard Dee saying her mom's an architect, boom, knocked her out. She overheard Terry saying his mom is a gynecologist, boom, knocked out. So, those three are out the game. Uh, I'm not sure. Someone, one of the two that went back to the house for food, mentioned that he overheard the parents saying some bad weather was on the way, a storm, and that if they didn't come back prior to the storm coming, the parents were going out to get them. So they decided, they just decided to go back to the house. So the parents have finally gotten their shit together when the kids get back. Most of the cars are gone. They went to get some supplies. There's dad's boarding up the window. Lowe's dad is ID'd after he gets in trouble for laying in one of the parents' rooms watching TV. So he's out of the game. Eve's Oof. mom is going through the liquor cabinet trying to figure out what they need. Makes sense. Um, and then Eve goes outside to check on Jack. She sees the two twin girls fighting over a doll. Amy lets go of the doll. She picks up a rock and bashes her sister in the head with it. What the f- yeah, and then just, like, takes it all and, like, runs off. Damn. So, Kay ends right. up being fine, but now Eve is worried Amy might have done the same thing to Jack <laughs> because she's psychotic. Right. And so, she again, she goes looking for him. While she's looking for Jack, she comes across David, who's drinking and wasn't with his sisters, like, the one that was bleeding out on the couch. <laughs> right. And we find out that he fucked up. <laughs> he was on, he went to the yacht party. And to fuck with them, he fucked with the yacht's navigation system. Sir. Intention- he intentionally did it, not knowing a storm was coming and that Alicia would be going with them. So he's like, the yacht isn't going to make it to its destination. 
So she tries to make him feel better, but ultimately is like, I got to go find Jack. So after looking everywhere for him, she finds him and Shell by the river and they're collecting bugs to save them from the storm. Oh, that's so cute. So she tells them like, you have one more hour and then I'm coming back for you. Like you have to, you have to come inside. Right. Getting back to the house, Alicia's dad confronts them, like, where's Alicia? Where's my daughter? And she's like, uh. And Suki, being the bad bitch she is, turns around and goes, she left with the people on the yacht. Bye. Right. So, and then another dad makes a comment about how this whole storm is being blown out of proportion while drinking a beer and doing absolutely nothing to help. Nice. Love that. So the storm has begun David tells her he hasn't told anybody else about messing with the navigation. Alicia's parents tell them the Coast Guard had gotten a distress signal. And then it cuts to the middle of the night. <laughs> so. Nice. The storm is hitting full force. So we remember the kids are sleeping in the attic. A tree drops through a window and tears off half the roof. The storm is just tearing this house apart. They look outside and realize they now ha- are, like, just on a moat, like, surrounded by a moat with no drawbridge. Like, they were just surrounded by water. So, they did their best by taping up garbage bags to the windows and to the hole in the roof. So, the next day, kids are like, fuck this, and they go and take their cell phones back. <laughs> Eve makes Shell and Jack wear life jackets um, over their beekeeping suits as they wade through the water to go and take care of the insects that they were keeping in the tree houses. Nice. So later on, Eve, Jen, and David go out to get them. And that's when we learn Jack had taken to the story of Noah's Ark a little too much. Oh, no. She looks around and sees boxes and boxes with holes punched in them. Jack and Shell refuse to go back to the house because they have to take care of the animals. Oh, my gosh. Jen moves to grab Shell and he handcuffs himself to the treehouse. The dramatics of it all. He's 11. I'm not shocked. So, Jen and Eve stay because it's their brothers. They have to. David stays because to get away from Alicia's mom out of guilt. Yeah. So, Eve texts her mom where they are, and she sends back a tulip emoji. Love that. So, she's clearly high as a kite or super drunk. So, they sleep together under blankets that... Jack and Shell had brought because they intentionally were planning on staying out there. Right. They go over all of the animals the boy saved. I'm not going to go through it. Just know it's a fucking lot. They <laughs> saved literally every animal you could think of. So the next day, the rest of the kids come out and decide they're moving into the tree houses. They can't stand the parents. They're just doing it. In the middle of a storm? Yeah. I Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Interesting choice. Yeah. So they bring tarps and blankets with them. They move out there because the night before, the parents thought it would be fun to drop some E. Oh, nice. And it was traumatizing, as you can imagine. So the storm picks up again that night. Trees fall. The water rises. That sort of thing. Wait. I'm sorry. I can't remember if you, like, what you said, but where does this, like, what state is this taking place It's not clear to be quite honest okay but not rhode island not rhode island no initially (laughs) i thought they were in massachusetts but then later on someone says they're in pennsylvania so it's 
I'm not really sure where they are. Does Pennsylvania? No, have have no ocean access. I was gonna say, I maybe I'm like remembering the map wrong, but I'm pretty sure. Yeah, so that's where I'm a little. I'm a little confused. Maybe they're in Jersey. I'm not sure. Maybe okay. Yeah, I just had to get that. Yeah, sorted. Yeah, it's I. I really like it. Didn't specify, which I was like kind of confused about. Some sort of northeastern state. Yes, definitely. Um, so it took three days for the water to eventually recede. The first day, the Coast Guard returned Alicia. So she was dropped off in a helicopter. Sick. That fam- her, her and her parents left that day. Nice. Um, and we get that, uh, a news report that fishing boats and a cruise had both capsized, but there was no death toll. We, the second day we find out the... That the twins are missing, that they can't find either of them. Oh, no. They found Kay in the boathouse, surrounded by rodent carcasses and candy wrappers. Oh, awesome. So she had been Fine. eating the rodents. Ah! Gross. But there was no sight of Amy, no sign of Amy. So the third day, Jack and Shell and even some of the older kids are racing back and forth between the lawn and the lake with the fish that were left behind when the water receded and they were just like flopping around and he wanted to save them. Oh. And they found a man on the shore appearing to be unconscious. He was a tiny man named Burl and Val just like took right to him like two peas in a pod. He was kayaking and was knocked unconscious. Later on, Eve gets into a tiff about her mo- with her mom about prioritizing her drinking over Jack. And her mom's like, well, I know Jack's with you, so I know he's fine. And she's like, that's not the fucking oh, point. <laughs> I am not his mother, yeah. so therefore. Well, so Terry sees it and busted, like, she's out the game. Oof. Yikes. So during a small bonfire, Val and Burl join them and... Like, all of the kids, like, assume Burl is homeless and, like, a little weird and potentially a pedophile kind of thing. So, they're all, like, kind of, like, keeping their distance. Right. Um, they tell the group that, Burl and Val tell the group that they came across a strange bush, like, covered in mosquitoes. And he tells them that they gotta get away from the house. The parents aren't equipped to handle this. And it's assumed that Val had told him about the ecstasy incident. And it's not safe to be near the water. Um, They point out that only two of them are old enough to drive. And Eve isn't one of them. So that's why I'm thinking she's between 14 and 16. Right. So. um, And they still haven't found Amy. No. They have not. Okay. Um, And two cars is just not going to fit all of the kids. So Burl offers to drive two with like the big van. Because the boys insist, like, they're not leaving their animals behind. So he's like, well, we can put the animals in the van and then we can go in the van. So we find out that Burl is the groundskeeper of the estate that they're staying on. Um, And he's not homeless, as Z keeps trying to imply. (laughs) He says something feels off and that they just need to get out of there. So they're, like, iffy about it, but they make the decision to go and that they'll head for Juicy's house. A 10 bedroom mansion in rye westchester new york because his dad's the movie director to be clear so you know money he's the wealthiest out of all of them so they broach the topic of leaving with the parents Mm -hmm. citing the hazards of staying 
and none of the parents are on board. They're like, the house is a wreck. We have to fix it before we leave. We're we're in a lease contract for the summer. Like, we're not staying. Like, we're staying. <laughs> you cannot. Like, we're not leaving. So the kids are like, fuck right. it. We're just going to dip. So they steal the car keys. And they hide nice, the rest of that. the car keys to the cars wow. that they're not taking. And That's kind of dangerous. They, as they leave, Eve sees some of the parents running out of the house after them. But not her own. Hmm. Sad. Hmm. So as they drove, like, every navigation app they had, had their paths labeled as red. Like, you could not get through them. Right. Um, as they thought about alternatives, Burl suggested a barn he knows of not too far away. Ma'am, are we trying to get murdered? <laughs> yeah, literally. And much to the hesitation of everybody... They decide to go to the farm because they really don't have any other options. They get there and their the service on their phones like was not great. Oh no, absolutely not. So we learn the so, the storm had flooded subway tunnels in the city. The river overflowed in Boston. Cars had been swept away. There were down power lines, electrocuting drivers. Like it was bad. So. But that's not good. Yeah. That's not good. So Burl calls the owner because he's also the groundskeeper for this property. Right. He calls the owner and gets permission for them to be there under some rules. The owner says they can stay, but they have to respect the house and her things. They have to respect Burl. And there can be no noise on the weekends to interrupt and bother the neighbors. And there are a few other rules, but those are like the main ones. Right. And... They're all just kind of just hanging out until the fat mother appears, as they had been calling her. And we learn she's Suki's mom. Um, And we find out she had used fine friends to track them to the farm. Love that. The two argue about staying there until her mother's water breaks. So she wasn't fat. She was pregnant. She was pregnant. Oh, that's so mean. (laughs) They're calling her fat. So, Suki has to leave to take her mom to the hospital. Right. Um, which means that Rafe won the game because he was the only one whose parents weren't identified. Right. Um, but the ga- the excitement was kind of stalled as they realized more parents would probably be coming. Right. David gets a notification that his the parents are actually getting sick. David's mom actually tells them not to come back to... The house, it could be nice. transmittable. So they all start walking back to the barn a little, like, confused. And as they're walking back, Aurora Borealis just, like, lights up the sky. Which, and then we're in, like, the northeast of the United States. Yeah. That's, like, not possible. It doesn't happen. Yeah. Which just, again. It, I have seen them at uh, upstate, but down here the light pollution is a lot yeah so it, it just it, especially because i'm i'm thinking they're in jersey like it just sounds like they're well now they're in pennsylvania the the farm oh, that they're, they're on is in pennsylvania so hmm yeah it's still a little too far south yeah it's just like it wouldn't happen it it's just more of an example right. of like climate it's change very rare yeah like i've seen it once in my lifetime my grandmother's seen it once in her lifetime yeah like i've never seen it in my lifetime but that's also because I'm from the south of... Well, you also are close to the city, yeah, so, like... light pollution. The light pollution is not too great for that kind of thing. Yeah. So, Suki returns. There was no way out of the area 
Um, and she couldn't get her mom to a hospital. And the baby's father wanted nothing to do with the baby, and the baby's father's not Suki's dad. Okay. Um, the contractions are too often for them to wait for an ambulance. Jen gets on the phone trying to get a hold of a hospital anyway while they try to figure out what else to do. So they decide... Uh, okay, so they say they're near Bethlehem, Pennsylvania. Okay, I know where that is. Yeah, so I've been there, like, once in my lifetime. But, like, that's I've where they met, are. But Okay. So they're trying to figure out what to do with Suki's mom. She insists she's not fucking moving. They're in the barn at this point. Um, Dee had scrubbed down one of the stalls with bleach to sleep in, but she ended up sleeping up in the hayloft with the rest of the kids. So remember, she's like a germaphobe. So she like scrubbed it down with bleach to try and clean it and like cleaned out all the hay and shit. So she's like, put her in there. It's clean. It's semi-sterile. Do what you got to do. So basically, like, five teenagers are trying to figure out what the fuck to do. Val goes and retrieves Burl, and then they come back with three other people. And for the rest of this, they're going to be known as the Trail Angels. Okay, this is just getting too close to the birth of Jesus Christ. So, the Trail Angels, they hike the Appalachian... Now, please don't come for me for my pronunciation of that. I know some people say Appalachian. Oh, no. I've heard Appalachian. Not me. They, tr- they hike the trail that covers, like, <laughs> from the tippy top of the United States to the bottom of the United States. Um, and they leave food and water for people doing the hike, like, the full hike. Yeah. And they leave it along the trail. So that's how Burl met them, was them dropping off food. One of them has EMT training. Now, there are three oh. of them. There's two men and a woman. So I'll just be like, I'm going to call all of them angels for this because it's just more names that we don't really... We don't need. Yeah. So one of them is the biologist angel. One of them is the EMT angel. And the other one is the hippie angel. So just... Love that. To be clear. I also thought of them as like the wise men. That's... Yeah. Yeah. That's what I'm thinking. So... No ambulance ever shows up, to be clear. So the one awesome. with EMT training goes in to help with the delivery. Most of the kids left the barn because it's, like, not their business, and they're also children who wants to be scarred by that. Right. But Suki asks Jen and Eve to stay <clears throat> with her. So Suki's mom has a girl, but the bleeding doesn't stop, and Suki's mom oh, ends no. up dying. Oh, no! So... So not like Jesus. <laughs> no. <laughs> So, Eve has to explain to Jack how Suki's mom died, because he's like, what happened? Like, I don't understand. And she begins to feel, like, really unsteady and off balance from this. So, the angels discuss what should be done with the body, because, you know, stinky stink, it's gonna start to smell, and how to approach the subject with Suki. Uh, Eve gives her the bag so she can, like, clean and dress the baby. Um, They discuss doing a burial... Or a pyre, like a fire pyre. (laughs) Never thought of that. (laughs) Um, A burial would be possible once the disaster was over, but, like, fire is, like, a very final choice. Yeah. So, they talk to Suki, who's, like, in a robotic state, and the hippie angel is kind of like, well, in Hinduism, like, a pyre is a sense of, like, rebirth, and Suki's like, she wasn't a fucking Hindu. But I guess we'll do the pyre. You tell him, sis. <laughs> so they have a small fu- uh, funeral for Suki's mom where D, uh, not D, where the hippie angel like sings some hymns and 
Like, they have, like, a small prayer for her mom. So then the angels are the ones that collect the mother's bone fragments and ashes so Suki wouldn't have to look at that or do it. Yeah. And then they bury her ashes in, like, a corner of the field. And, like, each day as they stay there, like, Suki would go and bring, like, a rock over to, like, memorialize the area. Right. So the next morning after the funeral, Eve and David go into the kitchen and find Burl being tended to by one of the angels. I'm pretty sure it's the EMT angel. He had right. gone out for formula for the baby because, you know, none of these girls are old enough to be lactating. No. And not to mention, you can't lactate unless you have a baby. Yeah. So, so he, re- he goes out for the formula and comes back with, like, a giant gash in his cheek. And uh, he just tells them, like, it's a lawless land out there now. People are running around with guns. So he was able to swipe some bagels from a ransacked donut shop. Like, he Ooh. really... It, it's bad out there. So Burl tells them getting to Juicy's house in West Chester, Westchester is just, it's not going to happen. Right. Like gas, the availability, the availability of gas is low. The roads are a nightmare. It's just, it's not happening. Eve sees Jack decoding more of the children's Bible, as he puts it. So like he's Love reading it. it as if it's just like an average book, like not as a religious piece of writing. Or literature. Right. Right. The biologist Angel just uh, manages to convince Jack and Shell to let their animals go. And Jack tells Eve that the storm had passed and there was no plague among them. So he had to set them free. So she finally hears from their dad who tells them that they have dengue fever. I don't know if you've heard of that. I've heard of it. It's a tropical virus that is transmitted usually from insects, mostly mosquitoes. It's survivable. Yeah. To be clear. Yeah. So Eve gathers the angels and Burl <laughs> and tells them what her dad told them. And obviously the biologist biologist and the EMT angel kind of like know about it. Right. Um and it's odd that of all the things the parents for them to have, it's this because it's they're obviously not in the tropics. Yeah. So again, another commentary on Climate change. change, (laughs) And how it really could fuck us all over. Um, The EMT says it's not airborne, which is good. And on the farm, they have a big silo where they keep extra food and water. But they also have decent medical equipment in the silo. And they said they won't need... The EMT angel says they won't need antibiotics, but they might need transfusions, depending on which parents are the sickest. Right. So, basically suggesting the children give blood yeah. to the parent. Like, if it's your parent, you give the blood because you're most likely to have the same blood type as them. I don't trust these rich people. They be cheating on each other. Like, <laughs> business. And Lorenzo is adopted, so. Oh, well, shit. So, Terry. Maybe one of them are so negative. So, Terry is entirely against it. Like, he's like, fuck them. They did nothing for us. So they weigh the pros and cons, and while it's recoverable in severe case, in most cases, in severe cases, it actually can cause death. So Burl suggests finding out who's the sickest and how bad it is. Most of the kids still had their cell phones, except for Lo and Juicy, who had lost them in the storm. Right. Um, who seemed relieved not to have the responsibility of reaching out to their parents. <laughs> I love that. Suki is officially, like, on mom duty. She is taking care of her sister. She's never putting her down. Like, she is a teen right. mom. 
Oh, oh no. So we find out that it's Dee's parents, David's mother, and Lo's adoptive parents are the ones that are the sickest. Rip. And Lo is a universal donor. Oh, boy. So while he didn't want to go originally, he was eventually convinced to go. Right. So David, D, Low Burl, and the EMT angel who has, like, that transfusion training. Right. Go to the parents' house. Right. Um, Eve and Rafe go to the roof of the silo where they have, like, a lookout nest. Um, uh-huh. To keep watch. And then the remaining kids just kind of take turns keeping watch at night. Right. This book is told in first person from Eve's perspective, to be clear. So it's like a teenager telling the story. So it right. seems like months have passed in time, but because I feel like that's because it's a child telling the story, so it's the standards of a right. child. So I'm going to say it's maybe two or th- maybe a week or two that's actually passed. Like, it's not been this excessive long period of time that it feels like it would be for a teenager, if that makes sense. Right. We also find out that Jack has been referring to Jesus as his imaginary friend. And awesome. oh, the irony of that. So with all this time in isolation, the hippie angel gets worried about Jack and Shell's development, like, psychologically as, like, children. Yeah, yeah. So the three, or, so there were four angels. Yeah, there were four angels. There were not three. I don't know. (laughs) But the three ones that stayed behind with the rest of them offer to kind of be the boys' teachers in, like, a school-like setting. Uh-huh. The teens convene because <laughs> they were concerned, but they saw that if the angels weren't kept busy, they might cause more problems. So they're like, ah, fuck it. What, what, what harm could they do and let them teach the boys? So one day Eve eats this, like, piece of bread and halfway through eating it realizes there's, like, mold on it. Oh, I've done that. It literally makes me want to vomit. Yeah. And so after analysis from biologist Angel... <laughs> Uh, he confirms that nobody else can eat the bread. Don't eat it. He gives her medication that will make her throw it up and tells her that the mold was toxic and that while she got rid of most of it throwing up, there is a little bit left over in her system that can make her see things, like hallucinate. So just to like sleep it off, kind of almost what like- What kind of mold is this? So he's like, drink a lot of water, sleep it off. So that night, Eve wakes up hearing a car, but she's not sure if it's from being in such like a hallucinated state. Right. So she goes outside to see Lo and David standing by the van. Dee oh, had decided boy. to stay with her parents. And they were all like, oh, traitor. <laughs> and I was like, good, get rid of her. She's annoying. So the infected parents were doing better. Still dicks, though, as David put it. Which, like, <clears throat> love that. So we also find out David's sis- missing sister, Amy. We find out what happened to her. She had been oh, hiding no. in the basement the whole time, just eating boxes of cereal. Love that for her. Eve was a little worried. But she's relieved that none of the parents came back to the farm with them. And in her druggish, druggish state, makes the realizations that the parents really should just be considered invalids. Because all of them were sick. Or they had these problems attached to them, like broken limbs. Which I thought was like a really great way of describing it. And she's like, thinking of them this way made her less angry. Right. So Jack... Has started reading the Bible during poetry class because uh, fuck that guy. Uh, the hippie angel's like, oh, you like like the book, and he tells her he likes it because the book is a mystery, and he's so he tells him tells the hippie angel that it's a mystery and that 
him and Shell have actually figured most of it out. So he explains that the whole book is a metaphor and that God stands for nature and Jesus stands for science. So it's like Narnia. Because <laughs> Narnia is an allegory for Christianity. True. Um, so it makes sense to Shell and Jack because Jesus is God's son and science comes from nature. They got a point. And if you believe in science, you have to believe in science for it to work and you have to believe in Jesus for him to save you. So while he's listing all of these miracles and things like that, Juicy is just sitting there shitting on their whole theory the entire time. Just All right, Juicy, listen. Go spit in someone's face, like, or your yeah, own face. Yeah, for real. <laughs> so that is when, now Shell is deaf, as I mentioned in the beginning of the book. Yes. He signs at all the time. That's just how he communicates and his choice right. of communicating. Jack and Jen have both said he can talk. He just chooses not to. And at this point, Shell finally speaks to call Juicy ignorant. Yeah, My deaf king. What? My king. I love... I love when children call people out on their shit. So now the storm starts again and it's raining constantly. So the rain kept them from staking out the watchtower. And because of that, they weren't, weren't watching. They didn't see the arrival of the men with the guns. I don't like this, chief. So one day they're sitting, they are sitting in the cottage kitchen and a man just casually walks in Pulls out his gun and tells everyone, and immediately everyone is just, like, at attention. Like, they're all like, what the fuck? So he asks them what they're all doing there, sitting around all, quote, fat and happy. i just like to point out, they were neither happy nor fat. <laughs> and you could tell he was speaking with some entitlement and arrogance. Oh, no. So, not a rich white man. Literally a rich white, not a rich white man, but a white man. No! <laughs> no! A, a white yes. man? No! <laughs> um, so he makes them leave the cottage. And while the man took one of the angels, the biologist angel, down to open the locked fence for a bunch of cars, Eve runs to Jack and Shell, who are in the barn, and she tells them there are bad guys there with guns, they needed to get their camping shit and run into the woods. She told them to hide and she'd come find them. So they run off. And the cars just pile in. And as... So the best description I can give is the one that the author gives. And this is just going to solidify the picture of them in in your mind. They are redneck soldiers. Love that. Like the capital stormers. That's what you should think of. Got it? Yikes. Yeah. I got it. Yeah. Yeah. I've got it. (laughs) So the men ransack the house and just steal all of their food. Just, it literally looks like a burglary. Just, they're watching their house just get torn apart. So, they end up finding the silo where they have the extra food. And for every five minutes, they weren't allowed in there. They were, there would be a penalty. And the problem with the silo is that it's, it's biometric. Burl was the, the key. He, it was his fingerprint that opened it. Right. And so, all, Burl is not with them, to be clear. So they take the biologist, Angel, and strap his hand to a workbench. Uh Oh, no. They turn on the staple gun and they're like, if we don't get in, this shit goes in his hand. And they explain to him, like, you know, it's biometric. We don't have the key. And they're like, okay. And just staple the guy's hand. 
holy shit, what the fuck? Chill. So the other angel and Eve are like, we'll go look for Burl. Like, we'll be right back. And we find out he was behind the, ca- the cottage messing with the generator and he had earbuds in. So he had no idea what was going on. <laughs> Classic. So the soldiers take Burl outside to the silo and leave the rest guarded by a boy around their age. I'm going to call him the child soldier. Eerie. So Wraith and the boy guard, the child soldier, <laughs> struggle for the gun. But Wraith succeeds and they end up hiding his gun. Now, this child soldier is slow to the uptake, if you will. Yikes. Obviously, they're teenagers and they don't understand political correctness or any, you know, sensitivity. So, you know, they call him the R word. They think he's a little slow. Yeah. Um, I just feel like if I were to choose a child soldier, I might choose one that has a little more tact. But that's just me. You say that now, not even knowing what he's going to do in the future. Oh, either. No. So there's a commotion outside, and we find out that the soldiers had gotten into the silo after they tied Burl's hands together. Um, Love that. And they insist there's more than just the butts in the silo. Like they have more food, and they're just not telling them. They don't. Oh, my Lord. To be clear. They notice right. the goats out in the field, and from the top of the barn, the child soldier who had... A handgun strapped to him somewhere, shoots the the goat from the top of the barn, which is willy-nilly. He's like, woo, let's do this. Um, And they notice that the other goats, like, flee from the gunshot. And You idiot! Eve realizes Jack is hiding out behind the goats, and she's absolutely terrified (gasps) he got hit. Shit. So, the leader of all these soldiers is called the Governor. Very Walking Dead-esque. I didn't watch those seasons with the governor. I just know that they had... I didn't watch Walking Dead at all. I don't, Or he was the mayor, something like that. I don't really remember. But um, the governor is, like, walking back to his crew of people, so he has his back to the goats. So he doesn't see Jack had run out and was crying over the dead goat as it bled out. Oh, the, oh no. The goat named Dilly. Dilly Dilly. <laughs> R.I.P. I feel like that was a... Rest in peace, king. Rest in peace, girl. Um, queen. So, she, Eve runs out to Jack and leads him back to Shell and is, like, she's like, I almost raised my voice at him at that point. I've never done that before in my life. I almost did that day because he literally could have died. So, back in the barn, the governor looks around and is like, fuck it, we'll stay here. Until the Eve and the rest of the group starves to death. What the fuck? Because they still don't believe that that was all the food. Like, they still think that they're they, hiding food. They literally raided a whole-ass silo. That's a lot of food. Yeah. And you think they still have more. Yeah. So, they and they basically just take over the cottage, and Eve and the rest of them stay in the barn. The soldiers drag out the biologist Angel and tie him to a tree. So, Eve gets up that night to talk to Burl, and is cornered by the child soldier who shot the goat. He said he saw her run into the woods. He hadn't seen Jack. And he just thinks that she's hiding more food out there. And she insists she take him to it. She's like, no, like, we just go out into the woods to pee. Because, again, this is, like, pre-dystopian. They all agreed that the toilet was only for number twos. So they all peed in the woods. Smart. Yes. Smart. So she's, like, she leads him in. She's not even wearing any shoes or anything like that. And 
she's like, there's nothing here. And she doesn't want to lead, lead him to Jack. She doesn't know exactly where they are in the woods at that point. So as they're right. walking, she notices a pile of sticks and leaves ahead of them that are in like this weird formation. Just as soon as she notices it, kid's in the hole. It's a trap and his leg is broken. Ooh. He calls Ooh. out for help. She knows he still has his gun. So she's like, peace. And she just dips and leaves him there. <laughs> Bye. Because the woods weren't part of the owner's land, anyone could have set that trap. And any one of them could have fallen into it. Like, Jack could have fallen into it. Because right. it could have been anyone. But she's too tired to care and she just goes back to sleep. <laughs> I love that. In the morning, the barn is woken up by very pissed soldiers. The goats are gone. And the kids are going to pay. Pun intended. Because baby goats are known as kids. <laughs> fun fun fact. I had, and I've, I hate, I never call children kids ever because I had a professor in college who like drilled it into us that you, you don't call children kids because like she would make us do like five minute quizzes in the beginning of class. And if you were describing something and wrote, and the kid did this, she'd give you the point, but she'd write the baby goat question mark every single time. That's just, you're just being a dick. So now that's why I never call children kids. It's just because, like, now it's just drilled into me not to do that. But I feel like the pun here works. So. So Burl is like, who the fuck do you think did that? You're the one that shot the gun, you dumb fuck. He didn't say that part. That was me. <laughs> but, like, he's like, the, the goats ran off because you shot at them. Like, what? Yeah, you idiot. So the soldiers round up the rest of the angels and put them in the by the tree where the other angel is tied up and put a barbed wire fence around them and told the kids to go find the goats. And if they didn't, for every five minutes they didn't, the angels would get a loving nudge from the end of an electric cattle prod. What is up with five minutes? Yeah. So, Shell and Jack had herded the other goats away after the death of Dilly. Eve had convinced Jack how serious the situation was and to bring the goats back. Like, they're like, we're not messing around, you need to bring him back. Jack was very upset and didn't want to, but reluctantly agreed. And while they were away, the soldiers enjoyed watching the angels just thrash about until Suki came out of the cottage, bouncing the baby. Apparently, that's what is a buzzkill for them. Okay, sis. But not that they're, like, tormenting a bunch of other children. Yeah. So, after murdering the goat, the governor is still not convinced that's all their food. He tells them, if they don't give it all up by sundown, he's going to kill the angel still tied to the tree. So the biologist angel. Right. And then it starts raining again. And that's that night they just notice all their phones start ringing. Eve doesn't hear hers ringing because she had left it in the kitchen the day the soldiers came. So she right. doesn't know who's calling. Uh, right. But they all gather at the top of the silo and watch as cars arrive at the house. Three cars... Their parents. Eight sets of parents. Uh-huh. Eve's parents included. Dee is with them. She's the one that led them to the farm. So they watch as the parents untie the biologist angel from the tree and start carrying him back to the barn. The governor... Now, when the governor arrived, he probably had, like, 12 to 16 soldiers with him. They are also uh-huh. living at the McDonald's down the road. So nice. he sent half Solid. of them... Back to McDonald's, so I think he only had about six or eight soldiers with him. Uh-huh. So, the governor and those... And are these, are these soldiers 
soldiers children soldiers or are they just they're like, fully grown man adults, adults. yes oh boy fine. except for that one kid right okay so the governor and the soldiers come out and they start arguing with their guns they lead the parents back into the barn d says they came because someone called them and everyone in the crow's nest of the silo like denies calling first they're like no way the parents called us first but then right. suki steps forward and she's like holding her sister and she's like i'm the one that called them like something had to uh-huh. be done so Rafe is pissed because they just gave the eight, the governor eight more hostages. So the kids discuss their options and vote on what to do next. Eve, Rafe, Terry, Dee, and Suki, who's literally still holding this baby. She has not put this baby down since it was born. Um, nice. Went into the barn to see their parents. And then David is staying in the silo. The rest of them used Val's like climbing gear to rappel down the side of the silo and headed for the woods. <laughs> Love that for them. Love that. Eve is like, we told you they had guns and you showed up with literally nothing. That's a fair point. Guess what the par- the dad said back to them. What? No, you have to guess because you're- No, I can't guess. Just tell me. We're going to sue the ass off them. Oh we, my We gosh. threatened litigation. Okay. Well, he's just going to shoot you. So have fun with yeah. that. Yeah. And I was like, well, my eyeballs, when I tell you my eyeballs hurt from rolling my eyes so hard. Like, so- Terry has always, is always, like, the spokesperson for them because he's the most pretentious and, like, right. well-spoken, I guess, of all of them. So he asks if they can speak with the gover- pri- governor privately. And the governor is up in the bar and loft where they used to sleep, like, smoking weed with his pals. Nice. So the, they tell the governor there is no other stash of food. But the group can offer something better if the soldiers agree to leave. Their parents' money. Right now, in the silo... All of it? In the silo, David is cr- breaking into their laptops, getting their banking information to give him the, the money. Shit. So the governor is getting sleepy from the weed, so he agrees to think about it. With Emma, uh-huh. everyone semi-distracted, Eve takes off to the woods to see Jack. Uh-huh. So in that group, the other group has found Jack and Shell, and among them is the child soldier, who they've started calling Red, because he has bright red hair. His leg is being tended to, and he's just eating with his hand, like, chilling, while Jen stands behind him holding his gun. So, Jack wants to go back to the farm. He says he's cold, which is obvious because he has blue-ass lips, because it's fucking raining. And he misses Eve. (laughs) And, again, I'm reiterating, Red is not the brightest crayon in the box. Like, he's very slow to get. And they're all like, he needs medical attention. Like, his leg is fucked up. And um, I think Rafe is the one that's like, this has to be against the Geneva Convention. Like, there's no way that this is legal that we're holding this kid here. (laughs) Um, And he explains. So they ask him, like, are any of the soldiers back there your dad? Like, what's happening? And he explains none of the soldiers on the farm are his dad. He was working as cleaning crew at the McDonald's. The soldiers are now occupying... They showed up at their trucks, and he just let them in, and they're, quote, the boss now. Okay. Yeah. Eve decides to just bite the bullet and bring them out of the woods. As they come out of the woods, a helicopter appears just with the overhead with this blinding light, TM the weekend. Also, TM Taylor Swift out of the woods. <laughs> uh, the kids think their parents actually did call the cops, as some men appear... Seeming to be from SWAT. They're all in black and everything. And as the copter settles, a woman comes out. She asks if she's the owner of the cottage, and she says yes. Eve, Who are you? 
I'm the owner of this house. house. Who are you? (laughs) (laughs) So Eve tells her their parents, Burl, and the trail trail angels and a baby are all in the barn and they haven't done anything wrong. And the woman's like, I already know this, sis. And Eve is like, what the fuck? God, is that you? (laughs) God, are you there? It's me, Margaret. She goes to the silo and sits down in one of the chairs and pulls out her phone and a cigarette. She tells whoever's on the other end of the phone, send the parents to the cabin and the children to her. When asked what's going to happen to the soldiers, she simply says they broke the rules. And Jack says, noise on the weekend? Mm, Baby. And she just goes, yes. And she calls Jack by name and tells him to go over to the space eater because he was cold and dripping wet. And Eve thinks it's really weird that she knows Jack's name. Like, she shouldn't. Right. And she also signs to Shell to do the same. So she also knows sign language, which is, like, weird. So the rest of the kids go up to the top of the silo and watch as the parents are filed out one by one to the cottage. And then the barn is just set on fire. Oh, shit. So the kids all panic because... But the woman appears calm and is just chilling with her cigarette, saying, like, saying, everyone knows the rules, and they broke the rules. So the kids watched, unsure of what to do. They knew the parents had been moved, but what about the angels and Burl? Like, what was going on? So using Val's climbing equipment, they rappelled down the side of the silo again. Oh, my They did their best to put out the fire, but it really was no use, and the kids ended up getting pulled into the cottage by SWAT and told to stay put. So they were all smushed into this cottage, and they got, like, a fitful night's sleep. But as soon as the morning came, they tried opening the back door, and there stood Jack, Shell, Dee, Suki, the baby, and even Red. The helicopter was gone. Swat and the woman were also gone. Out front, the soldiers' jeeps were gone, and but all the parents' cars were still there. Burl and the angels were also nowhere in sight. The parents literally wanted to call anyone. The CIA, the fire department, the fucking FBI, like, just everybody get here. Right. So the kids go into the barn that's, like, literally falling apart to investigate what was there. They found melted guns and a skull with hair on it and skin. But it mm, did it, no. it wasn't any of the angels or Burl. Right. It looked like the right. governor. Because right. of the, the way the hair was cut and everything. So they found plenty of bones, but chose not to try and, like, make bodies out of them. Yeah. Well, no, just to, like, count how many peop- how many bodies were yeah. there, because then they would know no. if Angels and Burl were no, in there. Thanks. But they decided against it. And they left the barn just as confused as when they went in. So Eve goes back into the kitchen to get her phone, and she has a few missed calls from her parents on it, but also has a single text message from an unknown number. It says it's from the owner telling her that the Burls and the Angels are safe and they're with her. Before leaving, Suki leads the parents out to her mother's grave. They had been told during the transfusions what happened to Suki's mom, but it really didn't sink in, and she wanted to make it real for them. Right. So the parents asks, ask if the kids blame them, and it was just, like, a resounding yes. <laughs> They're like, you had a choice, and you chose to be selfish and not think of our futures and what this would, how this would impact us. So... Um, a mother tries to change the subject and wants to say a few words for Suki's mom. And Suki's like, hard pass. We already fucking did that. Uh, later on in the cottage, one of the dad, dads passes a comment, like saying, I don't think the cops are coming. Yeah. You think? Yeah. No shit, Sherlock. So one of the mothers asks Red if he has anywhere to go. And he said, no. 
He had taken one of the melted guns out of the barn and had put it in his gun holster. Like, that just shows, again, that he's not fully there, up there. Uh, And then Eve realizes that he's walking completely fine. And that maybe because he was a little slow to the get, that maybe he thought a sprain was a break. So, he goes, no, she fixed it. She isn't the owner. He pulls up his pant leg and Jen is baffled because the leg is literally completely normal. And she's like, I saw that leg last night. It needed an actual doctor. Like, it needed care. And it was so normal. Red says, the owner put his finger on the keypad to the silo and told him he's the new caretaker. So she saw that he didn't have a home, so she gave him a home. Right. So... The parents decide to go with the original plan and that they'd set out for Juicy's house because his family is the richest. They drive their six-car caravan and the streets are just littered with roadkill. There are people working on the roads and power lines, which kind of give them hope, but, like, not enough. When they stopped for gas, Jen and Eve go, quote-unquote, to the bathroom. They really just wanted to get up and walk around, but the parents were were not going to let them out of the cars if they weren't going to go to the bathroom. Right. So they wanted to buy tampons, which were being held behind the counter like they were cigarettes. This mini mart was like half empty with like the aisles were like half empty and the tampons were being hoarded. And and tampons are like the thing that everyone's going for? They ask how much for the tampons and the guy goes 40 and Jen goes cents and he goes dollars. Yeah, I'd be paying $40, let me tell you. Yeah, for real. Like that's ridiculous, but... yeah. They finally make it to Juicy's house, and the neighborhood is clean, and it's almost like nothing happened there. Oh, to be rich. Of course. Eve jokingly says to Jack, look, the promised land. And Jack was like, we yeah. already had that. Like, he's very sad that they left the farm. Aw. And when their dad tells Jack, chin up, everything's gonna be okay, Jack deadass says to his dad, you may be my father, but you're a liar. Oh. oh. Smack oh, in the fucking shit. face. Not literally, but like, verbally. So, <laughs> as soon as they pull in, mom is like, catch me in the jacuzzi, their bar better be well stocked. And I'm like, you're a fucking nightmare. <laughs> Listen, I make these jokes about this all the time, but if I was a mother, I would be a helicopter parent at this point. So, the kids all decide to stay in the guest house for some privacy, except for Dee and the twins who choose to stay in the guest, or the servants' quarters, ugh, to have money. And Juicy, wow. because he wants to stay in his own bedroom. How are these parents, like, chill with their kids staying in a separate, like, area than them after this? Yeah, like, right? I, like you said, would be like, no. They're all fucking There's... drinking on, and on drugs. That's why. Yikes. Yeah. So, Yikes. the parents that hadn't been at the farm had went to the mansion first. That was their choice. So, like, Alicia's parents? So, Alicia's parents left. They're not even part of this anymore. They, they as said, soon as they picked her up, they're like, we're out of here, Audi 5000. Like, see you later. <laughs> So, Suki says her, the, on their way to Juicy's house, the parents tried to take the baby from her at, and that she was too young for the responsibility. And they literally, she said they tried to confiscate the baby. And she's like, no, fuck that. Fuck off. Absolutely not. Like, no, this is my baby now. <laughs> like, yeah. So, the parents drinking does not stop anytime soon. And for the most part, they kind of just like live separate lives The kids order their own groceries to the guest house. They have their own shit. Like, they're separate. Wow. Yeah. So, eventually, the kids get bored of the life of the wealthy. Could never be me. 
they <laughs> end up making up a new game to play against their parents at dinner. And it's basically like, guess what I'm thinking? Like, I'm going to think of something and you have to guess. Oh, my gosh. Whatever. And it can be like a noun, a verb, a play, like whatever. So whoever wins gets to ask for anything from the other team that they want. So the first night the parents won and got David's tech skills for eight hours. Like basically just like <laughs> fixing their laptops and shit. As a reward, Juicy stole some of his mom's Coke for David. Oh my gosh. The second time they lost again, they deadass made Suki hand over the baby for the day because they wanted to have cute baby time. I would be like, over my dead fucking body. You will pry this baby out of my cold, dead hands. <laughs> but also, like, a baby is not, like, a plaything. Yeah. Which the adults should know. Yeah, and Suki's like, I'm terrified they're gonna, like, ruin her. And... This is where we learn the baby is nearly two months old. So it's been around a little over two months since this all right. started. Because Suki's mom showed up a couple days after they showed up at the farm. And they got to the right. farm like a week or two after. So it's been like two and a half, three months since all of this started. Right. right. And then the kids end up winning the third game with Nicki Minaj. The parents Love could that. not guess that. And they took home some alcohol. Love that for them. Even though they're literally Turned like up. 16 of the oldest. But okay. Over time, society was just, like, crippled by the weather. Crops were ruined and they destabilized the market and crashed it. And the weather was in flux all over the place. Europe was freezing, but the North Pole was, like, melting. The parents started to stockpile shit, like, solar panels, medication, barrels of water. Instead of... They took down the fence around the house and put up concrete walls with, like, electric charges at the top and hired more men for security. Like, this is how bad it was getting and so the parents slowly like started to lose their shit so the kids like kind of stepped in and are like okay it's our turn to run this because clearly you don't know how to and the terry says to the parents which i thought was fantastic he goes so from now on until the day when your collective is restored to its baseline competency level we'd like to take on more responsibility your baseline competency level i was cracking up yeah that's uh wow burn so they're like we have they made plans to put hydropods in the jacuzzi room because it was like basically could be used as like a greenhouse kind of thing right right and they like made plans and they for real made their parents fill out a survey of rating their skills so where the parents could contribute (laughs) and so like what moms would like rate their cooking as like their highest skill like all this shit and i was like this is fucking hilarious Together with the parents' like semi skills and the kids' actual smart brains, they built the hydropods. And by late winter, they were able to live off the vegetables that they grew in the hydropods. And they kind of fell into this pattern of working all day and then cooking and eating dinner together, where they'd list off the things that they were missing. So, like, it could be people, it could be their favorite ice cream, it could be anything. And one parent lists the bars. Bitch, you are not 19 anymore. <laughs> so the parents end up falling into, like, this deep depression. And, like, they just, they forget to eat. They're not taking care of themselves. And the kids really try everything to kind of pull them out of it. But nothing really works. One morning, the kids wake up and the parents are just gone. They look everywhere for them and they cannot find them. And they all had different ideas of where their parents ended up. But, like, they never, they never come back. They eventually all move into the main house while they wait for their parents to come back. Jack is sick now. He's just feverish and cold. And Evie is working hard to try and cure him if it's, like, the last thing she does. He mentions his frustration of not knowing 
the end of the book of the children's Bible. Mm-hmm. And she's like, well, I don't think they really want to teach kids revelations. It's a little dark. <laughs> um, but they discuss what the end would look like. And Eve kind of says, well, like, you said God is nature and Jesus is science. Then maybe the Holy Ghost is art. And the Holy Ghost is the one that makes beautiful flowers and and gives life to to the earth. And is trying to make him feel better because Jack had said the Holy Ghost was the things people make. So it makes sense that the Holy Ghost would also be art because people make art. And they're just kind of riffing on the idea of like the beauty of earth and like what the end would look like. And Jack is starting to get sleepy, but she keeps talking about what the earth would look like in the end. And that is the end of the children's Bible. I got to that last page and I went to the next one and I was like, wait, what the fuck? Because it was just acknowledgments, and I was like, what? Can you acknowledge what just happened? (laughs) Can you just acknowledge what just happened? Does he die? Because I would die for that little boy. Not to be dramatic, but yeah, I thought it was a phenomenal book. She really packed in so much in such a small read. Who is this author again? Lydia Millet. Millet? I'm just looking at the cover. I'm like looking at the cover again. Interesting. Now it says it was. It has a national. She was the book is a national book award finalist, and uh, yeah. in her name it says finalist for for the Pulitzer Prize. I'm not sure if this book specifically was or if she was. Yeah. So I I actually um did like a an an MBA not national book award uh theme for my book club mm-hmm. and I don't remember this title being in there. Yeah. So. You know. I'm not sure, but it was phenomenal. I would absolutely read more by her. Um, And I did listen to, partially listen to it, partially read it. And I give a lot of credit to the person that read the audiobook for it because they did a phenomenal job. Um, Oh, yeah, there it is. Whoop, there it is. So, And that's that's the book next to it. That's the book that I was talking about that it reminds me of. Oh! (laughs) Leave the World Behind. There it is. By... Ruman Almond hmm. or Alam, sorry. I'll have to look it up. But yeah, so that was I I thought it was a great book. Um I thought the ending was semi-satisfying. Maybe I'm just like n- neurotic and just want to, everything explained to me. I'd love to know what happened to the parents and Jack, but at the same time I kind of like that it was open-ended. Right. There's no closure. Because it really. is first person, so she's not going to know what happened to the parents. Right. Right. Um but yeah, I thought it was was phenomenal. And that was my hot take. <laughs> That's your hot take. Well, I, I mean, mean, it's not really a hot take. She was it's a National Book Award finalist, but Right. Um um was it like how was the how was the writing? Like was it kind of like literary fiction-esque? Yes. Or? It was definitely literary fiction-esque. I found it on a list with Summerwater. By Sarah oh, okay. Moss. Yeah, Funny. so, like, they were in the same vein because they're both kind of novellas yeah, it, and, like, the length. Right. Um, they kind of give me similar vibes because there's, like, it's, like, a group dynamic. Yes. And there's, like, the, the kids and the adults and they're, like, you yeah. know? Um, yeah, I, th- I thought this was a great, a great way to tell a dystopian story like this because so many of them, it's, like, she's the hero and she's going to fix the world, but, like, 
in this case, she's just trying to keep her little brother alive and survive. And when I first read the description for this, I thought Eve was going to be, like, a 12-year-old girl, like, leading a bunch of 10 and 9-year-olds into the woods to survive. And it was so not that. And I kind of love that it wasn't. Right. I'm looking at the list and it it just feels, it feels very uh, dystopian-esque heavy because... Children's Bible is on it, which is very mm-hmm. dystopian-like. Um, the book that I was talking about, Leave the World Behind, it's it's very similar to this book. It's like a dystopian. Yeah. Um, and then A Burning, which I covered yeah. uh, last year, is on there, and that's kind of dystopian-esque. Uh, and then, like, If I Had Two Wings, I've never read that, but it looks like... Oh, oh it's stories. I was like, that looks like it could possibly be <laughs> dystopian. But, like, that's, like, three books. Yeah. It definitely was a dystopian heavy year, which is funny because it's, like, pandemic. Right, and it, these books were all written pre-pandemic, yeah. so it's very weird. Yeah. But I thought it was phenomenal. Um, definitely 10 out of 10 recommend. The cover freaks me out. Yeah, I don't know if I love the cover, to be honest. I just think it's very... It reminds me of something designed in, like, the 40s and 50s, those kind of, like, yes. old covers. Yeah. Which I don't hate. But I don't love the side of it where it has, like, the the lava look to it where it looks like it's burning off the side. But it doesn't at the same time, right. if that makes sense. Right. I just think it could have it been different. But at the same time, you don't want to replicate a children's Bible cover, like the actual children's yeah. Bible cover. So I do like the way that they did it in that sense. I don't know. I don't know how much I love this. It also annoys me that uh is like partially cut off yeah and like the colors <laughs> just don't work together but it is very 40s and 50s yes if, if that's what like they were going for they nailed yes it for sure um i just don't love the color scheme of this i think i would definitely i think it would be good if it was a different color scheme i think that's what's bothering me is this like turquoise yeah and maybe that's why and all of that it does look like um i used to have short story books Mm -hmm. like like they're children's books um that were like bible stories and they were like drawn like this so that might be what they were going for yeah which wouldn't surprise me but yeah Yeah. maybe if it was a different color i would be more inclined to like it more yeah i think it would have been really um pretty if it was like a white back and the lettering was in black and like it was an outline of the animals animals weren't colored in Right. I think I'd that would be, to... like, very sharp. Yeah. But again, yeah. that's also my aesthetic is minimalism, so... Yeah, I think both of us lean more towards, like, yeah. minimalism. I feel like that's both of our, like, Yeah, definitely. ...styles. I would love to be able to talk to the uh, cover designer just to, like, pick their brain... Yeah, just about... Uh, ...as to why they... Because I don't hate it. it. I just... Right. I'm curious why cho- these specific choices were made. Choices were made. Right, yeah. Because yeah. it's hard. It's a hard... So. Yeah. I would not have yeah, picked up this book it, based on the cover. Yeah, me either. Which, I mean, that's a lot of the marketing of a book. Yeah, is the cover. How the cover looks. Um, but, you know, there, I'm sure there's, like, a reason why they, they chose what to do what they did. Mm-hmm. And I would love to, like, Just pick know the, the backstory yeah, behind it. Yeah, exactly. But, yes. So, you can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Pod. You can find me on Instagram at Francesca Hope, and you can find me on Twitter at HBI Cheska. And where can they find you? 
You can find me on Goodreads, Alicia Reads 13, or on Storygraph, just Alicia Reads. <laughs> and we'll see you for the next one. Bye!